the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Bears, bulls, Wall Street. Typically, I start the day kind of there. Talk a little bit about the economy, then we kind of get into personal finance and whatever, you know, sometimes tech issues. Kind of, you know, take it around the league, so to speak. Last Monday, the S&P 500 closed at 2038. Yesterday, it closed at 2041. Gain of three points in one week. Um, let's see, what else is there to throw? Kind of flat, right? After strong move in such a short time, you have reason to expect a pullback, consolidation phase, correction, maybe some losing days. Not sideways. The reason we're going sideways is there's a fear of missing out. Performance is chasing by underperforming money management who are willing and ready to buy on the dips. There's short covering going on. The understanding that the months of November and December are typically good months. So we are doing okay. Latest survey from the American Association of Individual Investors out last week showed almost 58% respondents were bullish. That's the highest reading since 2010. Um, only 19.3% of people were bearish. That's one of the lowest readings over the last five years. And it's considered a contrarian trade. The latest survey from the American Association of Individual Investors kind of tells you that people are, there's too many people who are happy. And it's considered contrarian in the sense that well, it doesn't always go that way. Bulls are standing this, their ground. Supported by better than expected economic sentiment report out of Germany this morning. News that Japan Prime Minister Abe has called a snap election and has delayed the consumption tax hike scheduled for 2015 of October until 2017 of April. They had a dismal third quarter GDP report where they basically raised taxes on, you know, purchases, consumption. October PPI credit report, or the October PPI report, created a little headline disruption this morning. It was stronger than expected. Um, if you exclude food and energy, it rose four-tenths of a percent. Home Depot is going to be an earnings reporter today. Home Depot, for its part, reported slightly better than expected third-quarter earnings and reaffirmed its full-year outlook while noting the potential for disappointment due to the data breach costs that cannot be estimated at this time. I got breached by uh, Home Depot. Bums me out. I had to get a new credit card. And what's interesting to note about that is they closed my old account and they opened a new one, and thus my credit report, or my credit age, was dropped. 
Really? <laughs> kind of unfair. Anyhow, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, we are higher on the markets. The S&P 500 is up 8,041. <laughs> Thank you. The Nasdaq's up 31. The 10-year Treasury, haven't talked about that for a while. So it's at 2.3%. S&P 500 on a historic calm streak. Um, a five-day calm streak. Will we get a Santa Claus rally at the end of the year? Yes, no, or maybe so. I don't know. Thank you. I suppose any time I say Santa, we're going to get that noise. And everyone probably knows that from Will Ferrell screaming, Santa. That probably won't get annoying, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, one year for the whole month of December, I played the Charlie Brown theme, the Christmas one, the As we rapidly approach the Christmas season, the retail sales numbers, and again, the Santa rally. We are now. Thank you, thank you. One, uh, two, three, four. We're five weeks and two days away from Christmas. This won't get old. Anyhow, and anyway, let's uh, move forward, shall we? Uh, Carol dies on The Walking Dead this week. That's so sad. Um, Home Depot's results improve. Good. Uh, Warby Parker is an interesting retailer. And the firm built their brand on wet the web, but they're finding storefront sells glasses too. Warby Parker's made a name by selling affordable hipster chic eyeglasses through a website. They avoid costly store expenses and licensing fees. While that business has thrived, the startup promising another act is taking shape in the form of real storefronts. Boston's Newbury Street, Abbott Kinney Boulevard in L.A. What's interesting to note about it is um, they're doing damn awesome. And in retail, you talk about how much sales you get per square foot, and Apple's the king. Uh, no one sells higher square footage than Apple. Apple sells for every square foot of its stores about 4568 bucks in sales. So, Warby Barker's brick and mortar stores collectively are turning a profit. They're selling an average of $3000 a square foot annually, higher than most retailers not named Apple. Wow. That's not too shabby. It's quite a feat. Um, a lot of e-commerce players have tested the waters of physical retail, but most of the efforts uh, ultimately run away. Warby Parker does something cool. They give, you know, for every pair of glasses you buy, I think they give a pair to kids in third world countries. They do some sort of social love kind of thing. Um, and people under 35 love that. People under 35 want, you know... Um, to make a difference, and they purchase from companies that help them make a difference. It's kind of nice to see. Uh, just a massive home run in Warby Parker as a business model. Um, they're considered loved. Its staff of nearly 400 includes executives, poached from retailers like Nike. Mickey Drexler is CEO of J. Crew and a board member at Apple. Joined Warby's board last year. Mickey Drexler, if you want to find an entertaining businessman, Go Google Mickey Drexler, uh, D-R-E-X-L-E-R. He, what he did at Gap was amazing. His whole career has been pretty amazing. He's a fashion guy, and one of the things about him is he's well-known for wearing jeans, a T-shirt, and a white T-shirt. Um, that's his look. That's his thing. So, anyway, um... 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Of course, we're going to do a Taylor Swift story because we can't escape her. I can't quit her. Uh, with that said, we've got a big event coming up Thursday night. Hopefully, you'll make it out for it. Top 10 
Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar in Foster City, California. 6.30-9, retirement planning is complicated. People don't understand the complexities of trying to pay yourself an income until the day you die. Come out, learn more at Foster City, San Mateo with CFP Chad Burke and myself. Sign up at robblack.com. So an analyst, who's pretty good, his name is Walter Pisek, um, he came out this morning and talked a little bit about Apple. And his analyst report was pretty much just spot on. He talks about the price target on Apple because of the selfie craze. I'm like, selfie craze? Is there, a cra- is there really a craze? Pisek is upping his target to $135 a share, based mostly on the selfie craze and Apple's improved camera functions on the iPhone 6. Sounds kind of silly, but it makes perfect sense. Apple upgraded the front-facing camera, and as a result, photos taken with the camera are three times as large as they were in the past. The new iPhone could also do super slow motion, which are pretty cool, but they're also pretty large files, which means people are going to pay an extra $100 to bump up the next storage tier, like I did, and or they're going to pay you know money for iCloud storage because they give you a very pathetic 5 gigs. Um... With that fiscal bump, the improved video camera is going to lead people to shooting and editing more video. Uh, Apple's going to sell many, many devices. For disclosure, I own shares of Apple. Let's talk with CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Hello, Mr. Burton. Hello, Mr. Black. We were talking during what we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about education and incomes and how they collide. especially heading towards retirement. What's your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, if we talk about it in terms of, you know you have enough to retire. Okay. You know, you know you're know you on track. Um, what's an easy way to realize that? If you have, you know, plenty of cash and you're basically just living off your Social Security and the dividends from your stocks, yep. and that's even more than enough, even most of your dividends you're reinvesting, yep. you have more than you need, Good. right? You're, yeah. you're in great shape, you're spending what you want, and you know you're going to be leaving assets to kids. Mm. So then you get to think, start thinking about different things. Um, and it's really important to look at your overall family situation and, and do tax bracket management when it comes to your investing. So one of the things that you look at is, is I gave an example uh, on the show yesterday on the 1 o'clock show about, uh, you know, let's say grandma has a $200,000 IRA. She doesn't need it. She's taking minimum required distributions from it. That's kind of a nuisance. She's got a lot of extra cash on the sidelines, and she's not that high of a tax bracket, so she decides to convert the IRA to a Roth IRA, right? Okay. She has to pay the taxes out of somewhere else, but her idea is she wants to leave it to her granddaughter. And uh, so if she's 70 years old, and even if she gets like a 5% rate of return in 20 years or so when she passes, that's going to be over well over half a million dollars. Nice. Nice grandmother. In a, in a Roth IRA. And in a Roth IRA, you don't have to take required minimum distributions. So it just compounds tax-free for, for whoever you leave it to. Sounds like a Mitt Romney kind of deal. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, what's so great about that is that if you name the beneficiary the right way, when grandma dies, granddaughter can roll it into an inherited IRA, Roth IRA. An inherited Roth IRA. What does so, grandson do that was so wrong? Well, so, you know, just the only child. Okay, okay, um, okay, fair, fair. I could make up another story, like died in a bad car wreck, motorcycle, usually a motorcycle versus car. That's not funny. <laughs> That's what you hear in the Bay Area all the time. You know, I had an eight-year-old cousin die in a motorcycle wreck. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. So. Anyways, moving on. So so granddaughter, inher- and it's it's an inherited Roth IRA. And the the process for that, they actually, it, it, it's fairly simple. You have to work with people to make sure they're no, they know how to do this. But once granddaughter inherits it, she she has to pull out a little bit each year based on her life exit if she wants to. 
So if she needs the money to go back to college to buy her first house, she can pull lump sums out totally tax-free and make it last all throughout her retirement. And even the required minimum distributions are typically less than the growth rate. If, you know, if the market is, does what it's done in the past, um, you can make them last multiple generations. So here's a story for you. Talk about multiple generations. Do you know who I'm related to? My aunt is? Your aunt. Uh, uh, Shirley Temple. Black. Shirley, Shirley Temple Black. So her husband was an orphan. My, uh, my dad was an orphan. My dad's sister was an orphan. So she... Her, her, so wait her, a the ones So they got adopted into the family? Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> he got adopted. Her husband, Charles, got adopted by the richest guy in California. Basically, PG&E money. Was it Daddy Warbucks? It could have been Daddy Warbucks. Because <laughs> this sounds really familiar. That's who she ended up marrying. It was orphan son of Daddy Warbucks. Oh. Daddy uh, PG&E in this case. My dad never got adopted. Talking about I was this close to being the son of a wildly famous, wildly wealthy person. And I got my dad. <laughs> Sucks to be me, huh? I don't know where to go with that. Charitable remainder trust. <laughs> I know, I know. Charitable remainder trust. No, oh, yeah, this is my favorite type of planning. Really? Absolutely. I love. What's your favorite charity? Um, gosh. Well, one of one of my favorites I like um, for a global one is Heifer International. Okay. Um, for local, I love Sh- uh, Shriners Children's Hospital. They do amazing things. They do. The Heifer is the Bill Gates one that you can give a cow to a someone and they'll actually get milk out of it yeah not just a cow you buy them goats chickens and things like that and so we used to give out you know and back in the oh five years ago plus you know at the holiday time we'd give gifts gift baskets and to clients and you know thanksgiving time things like that and we realized that this just doesn't you know big deal people get i get four or five of those in the holidays from yep. various people that i work with no one ever gives attorneys cpas things like that I'm not liked. So we decided to take that money plus times two and then just give it to Heifer on and on behalf of our clients uh, each and every year. And it does a heck of a lot of good. And I think people appreciate it a lot Can more. you do it on behalf of Rob Black? Like, Yes. Just so I could get some charitable name going out there. Like, yeah. I'm all that in a bucket of chicken. Okay. Okay. So I got Let's Daddy do interest. the rest of the events. Just have people write the check directly to charity for the rest of the year. That'd be great. Let's do it. So the problem is people don't have checks anymore. It's true. So that's, <laughs> that's let's have true. them app it. I know people would get so concerned about doing stuff online, but uh, more of the fraud for money is on written checks that get washed. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black. Hey, speaking of a good career, um, Miami Marlins slugger Giancarlo Stanton he got a $325 million deal. That was down recently, 13 years. Do you know what that pays out? $47 and 30, 56 cents a minute for 13 years. What you think about that? Wow. I kind of wish my parents had tied my right arm behind my back so I could learn how to bat left as a kid. And uh, I had me go out and hit the baseball one million times. Yeah, I'd quit after like 10. <laughs> I didn't have it in me. Anyhow... um. of households have three or more devices pinging the Internet. That's how much Americans love the Internet. 90% of houses have three or more Internet-connected devices. The average number of connected devices per household, 5.2, and that number is climbing. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. Big seminar coming up this Thursday night. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. Right off the 92 San Mateo Bridge, sign up for it at robblack.com. Just like before we walk right through those empty halls. It makes me think about...
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Vape is Oxford's 2014 word of the year. Seems like a bad year for words if that's the case. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing fine. Nice to be back with you. It's been a while, it seems. Uh, I've been busy. You've been busy. That it has. With that said, uh, not a lot going on on Wall Street. It's kind of... We're kind of not closing out with a correction for the year, but we're closing out with gains, it looks like. But maybe still a little too early to say. Yeah, you know, we have, what, about another six weeks or so left in the year, um, and you're clearly seeing a very resilient market. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it kind of sits there, and, and you realize that it's certainly due for a pullback when you consider that we're up, you know, 12% since the middle of October, which is just an extraordinary um move and, um, you know, well ahead of what the average price return has been for the S&P 500 since 1929 of about 7% and change. And so we did 12% in a span of about, you know, four weeks. <laughs> so um, so it's not going out on a limb to suggest we're due for a pullback, but what is really kind of, I think, keeping this market um, uh, holding up is just, is this lack of selling interest. I mean, there's there's true resilience that's taking place here, and that is keeping a lot of people uh, who might be inclined to sell uh, reluctant to do so because they're fearful that they're going to miss out on, on further gains and are certainly being peppered with uh, a number of reports pointing to the idea that this is typically a very favorable seasonal uh, period for the market in the months of November and December. One of the people out there who you have to respect calling him the richest man in New York City, Carl Icahn, came out and told Reuters today that he expects a dramatic stock market drop sometime in the next three to five years. He said it could be three days, it could be three months, it could be three years. He's kind of you know, given himself some time to say a major correction. That's not really brain science smarts, is it? That's just kind of the expected and the norm. Yeah, I think it's you know it's intuition. Um, he certainly has a, a plenty of market experience to to make a claim like that. Um, you know, by the same token, saying that you're going to get a, a major correction in the next three to five years is is kind of like also saying you know I'm going to get the flu in the next three to five years, um, right. or maybe in the next three days or in the next three weeks. Um, you know, it, it's it's really it is a guessing game. I mean, there's there's uh, it, it certainly is a um, an attention-grabbing statement from someone as successful as he is in terms of uh, his investment acumen, uh, and it does need to be respected. Um, and you know, it's kind of been what our message to our our briefing.com readers, you know, all year long. Essentially, you know, we forget that we're coming off of a, a last year when we we rallied 30 percent uh, on earnings per share growth of, of about 5 percent. You know, here we are up another 11 percent, uh, just about in 2014 on projected earnings per share growth of about 8%. So uh, what I'm driving at is that you've got a whole lot of good news that has been priced into this market. Uh, There's certainly rising levels of investor, uh, of bullish sentiment anyway. And uh, it's a little bit um, unnerving, frankly, to me. I think that the the complacency factor has gotten uh, a little bit, you know, um, outside of the scope of normal here. And I think that the market does risk getting stung here in the near term as it continues to try to just essentially, you know, grab more gains into um, into year end. Um, I feel like we are overbought, and I'm concerned that any piece of bad news simply gets written off as yet another example of why whatever central bank, uh, you know, the news might be, uh, the, in the country the news might be originating in is there's a belief that the central bank is going to come out and then institute more policy stimulus. I mean, we saw yesterday with Japan's third quarter GDP report, it was dismal. Um, and yet the market didn't even flinch. I mean, this is one of the top five largest economies in the world that's in a recession. Uh, you have the Eurozone, which is, you know, one of the uh, the top two, uh, is uh, bordering on a recession. And and then you have clear signs that China is slowing down. And so the U.S., uh, I think what it does, though, is that it does uh, raise uh, awareness to the relative strength of the U.S. economy, and that's why you continue to get money moving into the U.S. stock market that remains a supportive factor. But um, the world is not a perfect place right now, and there's certainly a lot of economic concerns out there that could come home to roost if they continue to gain traction here into 2015 to the downside. And just to show what 
you're saying when you said that yeah we will get a big correction you are we are overbought i want it to boo you like it's not cool to say that there could be a correction i, I literally want it to boo you because i like the good times and let them roll Right. Well, you know, in one of the uh, recent pieces I, I posted to the big picture on briefing.com, I, I made the point, uh, I think it was our last market view update, really, that, um, you know, we, we said that, you know, it's probably a time to be, you know, uh, somewhat cautious in the near term here. And, right. uh, and what that essentially means is that, you know, if you're sitting on really big winners, you know, you might want to go ahead and, and take some money off the table, right, and then rotate into some maybe underperforming stocks and or industry groups uh, that set you up in a better position for long-term returns. Uh, but having said that, I also acknowledge that, you know, when you come out and you say that you're, you're recommending some profit-taking, you're automatically painted, you know, as, as a bear. Uh, and that's not the case. I mean, we're not bearish on the stock market. I mean, fundamentally, you know, things are still okay. Uh, we're getting to the higher ends of valuation ranges, certainly, uh, but you still have low interest rates, you still have low inflation, and you still have earnings that continue to grow, and those are good things. Um, so, uh, you know, to to what you're saying is that, yeah, if you come out and you say, hey, it's time to, you know, pull back here or something, you run the risk of being labeled a bear. But, you know, we're not bearish on the market. We're just uh, I guess you could say um, prudently uh, bullish uh, as we see things take off the way that they have and recognize through uh, our years of experience that you uh, are probably uh, ripe for a pullback and, and you might as well go ahead and take some money off the table before the market takes it for you and you stand idly by and watch that happen. You write the page one outlook every morning for briefing.com. That's why I start my morning, but you also, like you said, bring up the big picture. Um, it's one of my favorite columns to read. It comes out maybe once a week, it seems, uh, maybe three to five days, five to seven days sometimes. Uh, but I, I do adore it because it's uh, content that makes you think, you know, looking at taxes, looking at the end of quantitative easing, um, looking at dividend perspectives. Uh, good stuff. Just throwing it out there. You're very well appreciated, sir. Well, thank you. Yeah, it is a, it's a column I post typically every Friday uh, okay. this past column was posted on a Thursday first due to some scheduling conflicts, but in any event, it does come out once a week, usually on Friday, whereas the page one column I do write, I do write daily, so, but thank you for that. And uh, there's plenty of stuff outside of your content at briefing.com that can help investors as well, the economic insight, the Fed brief, the head, head, the cur- head of the curve, uh, which is done by Robert Green, who I think he's right smack on in trend investing or trends to look at. Um, anything else that you're working on, Mr. O'Hare, that you think we should be paying attention to right now? Well, of course, you're going to have the uh, you know the FOMC minutes that are coming out uh, from the October meeting tomorrow, and, okay. and there'll certainly be you know added attention on you know whether the commentary regarding the the timing and the path of interest rate hikes has uh, turned a bit more hawkish. You know, that's what the market's going to want to see and listen for. So, I'm keeping an eye on that. And I'm also probably going to be probing more into the the tax loss selling issue. Um, I recently highlighted some small cap ideas and might now venture off into the uh, mid cap and large cap spaces. Um, you know, as we sit here and we look at and talk about all the stocks that have run up, there are some stocks obviously that have not, and they uh, they hold themselves out as potential tax loss selling candidates into year end here. Anything? To, any truth to that? What are you expecting from the Santa Claus rally this year? The last two months, or just can't guess it this year? Um, I don't think you can really. Guess. Uh, well, I, I mean, I can't guess. You know, I would think that if obviously conditions stay that the way they are, I'd say prospects are good for a Santa Claus rally. Um, but obviously, a lot can happen between now and those last six trading days of the year, um, or the last four and the first two of the, uh, the next year, to determine whether we're going to get that Santa Claus rally uh, indeed. But uh, we certainly haven't seen any. Uh, uh, step back in terms of the market's bullish bias and the willingness to buy dips. So we could get a little bit of you know, pullback activity here over the next few weeks, but um, from what we've been seeing thus far, there's likely going to be some willing and ready buyers uh, when that dip happens. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. I sincerely say this. They're not paying to be on the air or anything like that. It is the best way to start your financial content in the morning. Uh, Mr. O'Hare, very, very thoughtful in his pieces. But like I said, there's other people as well. Um, Robert Green, I've been reading for years. He's got archives up. And like, for instance, he just did a piece on Airbnb and how he calls it disruptive. You know, 
temporary lodging for travelers. I'm looking at getting a resort, not a resort, but you know, I'd like to invite some friends and family to Tahoe. And uh, instead of having a book into a hotel, why not jump on someone's Airbnb? You know, a hot tub. Um, very, very disruptive. So he does his archives all the way back to 2009, and that's where you can start reading some things like, uh, you know, the coming new era of the internet. Humorous stock tickers, cloud computing defined four years ago. Having read cloud computing defined four years ago, it might have made you want to jump in on some of the greatest names of investing in the last few years, like Salesforce.com, um, as well as others. So the information's out there. Briefing.com does a really nice job of doing a service that helps people pull it all together. One thing that I like as an investor are dividends. And I've gotten spoiled by dividend increases over the last few years. 2014 will mark the third year in a row dividends have risen by 10% or more annually. A third year of increases would be welcome. Uh, when dividends were cut in 2010, companies have been aggressively boosting their dividends as investors pressure firms to return mounting piles of cash to us. It's kind of nice. Big event coming up Thursday night. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Hopefully you'll come out and see me just off 92 at the Crown Plaza, Foster City. Sign up at robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investment, and more. So, I'm a big fan of dividends. Um, talk of changing taxation of dividends could put a chill on dividend hikes in 2015. That's something we're going to have to pay attention to on Wall Street and Main Street, Congress. Uh, but barring the kind of macro shift, 364 companies in the S&P 500 have signaled they plan to pay higher indicated dividends in 2015 than they did in 2013. So that's we got that going for us. Um, other stories of notes out there. Sony. This is kind of interesting. This is tied towards Taylor Swift. Remember last week she pulled her catalog from uh, Spotify? For the free side of it is what musicians seem to be focusing in on. Top Sony ad executive uh, said that the company is reevaluating its support for free advertiser-supported online music after pop star Taylor Swift kind of led something there. And she's selling millions and millions of records right now. And that's probably going to be a boost to iTunes, believe it or not, which has been in decline. Actually, a lot of conversations has taken place over the last week in light of that. Miss Swift's decision this month to leave Spotify, which shares with artists a portion of the proceeds from ad sales, and from fees for its paid ad-free premium version, sent shockwaves through the music industry. Now, despite Miss Swift's thumbs down to Spotify, Sony remained very encouraged by the growth of subscription-based streaming services, which lets users skip ads in exchange for monthly fees. The key question is, are the free ad-supported services taken away from how quickly and to what extent we can get paid for those services, is what Sony's asking. And I think it's a fair question. Um, I know it's not a popular thing to talk about, but artists, you know, they, they don't work for pennies. They shouldn't have to. Home Depot's results improved. Um, that's a good sign. Typically, that means Americans care about their home, and they see value of going out and taking care of it. Strong performance across all geographies led by growth in transactions and continued strength in the core of the store. The results come at a pivotal time for the home improvement retailer. Um, they had their credit card account issue, 56 million customers. Uh, they still haven't contacted me and said they're sorry, but mine got compromised as uh, the credit card company won't tell me that, but they did tell me that you know someone's purchasing stuff in Texas, and you may want to pay attention to that and close your account, and I did. Samsung is planning some smartphone cuts. They're going to reduce the number of smartphone models it offers next year, part of a move to cost 
to cut cost and declining profit. H&M is going to launch some new online stores in 2015. The Swedish retailer is doubling the pace of their e-store rollout. Uh, H&M stands for Hennies and Moritz. It's launching eight new online markets in 2015, doubling the pace of its online rollout. Uh, physical stores cost money. And if you can hit a mobile home run, it's one cost of business that you can eliminate. Large fashion retailers are rushing to expand their web presence as consumers increasingly shop online. H&M offers online shopping in 13 countries. Uh, I was talking to, this is kind of cute, the other day, um, a group of women were around, and I was kind of like, you know, listening on the conversation. They, someone brought up, you know, what's that company in the mall? And I'm like, oh, H&M. And I started, like, talking about it. And, like, I know a lot about H&M. They change their fashion every two weeks. It's um, fast fashion is what it's referred to. New colors, new styles, everything every two weeks. So it kind of makes you want to go back on a regular basis. Pretty interesting. U.S. home builder confidence rose in November. A gauge home builder sentiment climbed in November. A hopeful sign for the U.S. housing recovery as it struggles to find its footing. Uh, Carl Icahn says a major correction is going to happen in the next few years. That's honestly like saying the five-year-old kid next door is going to pick his nose and eat his boogers. It's kind of a no-brainer. Of course there's going to be a major correction. There always are. Um, the S&P 500 index is up 10% for the year. It was up 30% last year. You know, Icon is more concerned and is predicting downturn. It's really a question of when and not if. Uh, you can't go up forever, straight up. And corrections tend to take some of the weaker hands out of the market. So I tend to like them. It makes me more attractive. And you're saying, what are you talking about? I'm not weak hands. I could live through a correction. I don't get stressed. You know, I said that to a friend the other day. I was like, don't let the holiday stress you. She goes, I know, I'm so stressed. I'm like, mean, not me. It's the nice thing about having an alcoholic dad is it kind of kills your emotions on the high end and the low end. So I'm just nice and, you know, norm um, all the time, which is bad. Like, you can have a baby. I'm like, eh, baby. You can have a big wedding. Eh, big wedding. <laughs> you know, some people get mad at me for not getting all caught up. Like, hey, you want to go to the Sharks game? Yay, we won. Let's go have a beer, kind of thing. I'm not like, woohoo! You'll never catch me in a jersey. Real men don't wear football jerseys. Real men play football. I find it appalling to see men wearing jerseys. 97% of households have a mobile phone. 97% of U.S. households have a mobile phone. Sweet! Uh, there's projected to be 2.7 billion smartphone subscriptions this year. That's nice, up from 1.9 billion last year. LTE subscriptions are seen reaching 3.5 billion globally by the end of 2020. Video continues to dominate mobile networks, counting for roughly half the mobile traffic in places with significant 4G networks. I've got a big event coming up Thursday evening, a couple days from now. Crown Plaza, Foster City, and San Mateo. Going to be going over dividends and dividend pickings, strategies, investing, some dividend stocks that I own, secrets to tax efficient investing. What you can do to maximize your social security. How to reduce the risk of outliving your savings. CFP Chad Burton will be there. And we have Taylor Swift taking us to break, which I love. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you can find me online at robblack.com. Seminars this Thursday in Foster City. Insightful, informative, irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. 
your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money invested, insurance, startup ideas, technology, anything that I can get my hands on to help educate you a little bit more about money and investing and getting to retirement. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Doing well. Looking forward to Thursday. Yeah, big event Thursday evening, our last live event of the year. Always pretty good time. You're always in a good mood. I'm always grumpy. So it's a good combination. Good cop, bad um, cop. Yeah, tax-efficient investing, social security benefits. I'm going to talk dividends and how to pick dividend stocks. And what's the ultimate goal of the 10 pillars of retirement planning at the Crown Plaza, Foster City, San Mateo, uh, Thursday from 639? What's the, what would you say, who should show up? Well, if you're 10 years from retirement or you think you're 10 years from retirement, you may or may not be right. You don't know yet. Um, you're in retirement and you're trying to figure out how to make your money last or how long it will last in this environment. Um, and this is for you because we're going to talk about all the important stuff that's out there. And, and it's stemming from a couple of issues, the main issues that are facing retirees right now. And um, yesterday on the show, I was talking about the study where only about 19% of people out there know if they're even eligible for Medicare. And that's kind of a funny thing because at 65, you're automatically eligible, right? If you're a citizen, and <laughs> you're legally here. Um, but they don't, they don't even know what that covers. So how can you know if you're even prepared for retirement until you talk about health care costs and project those out? And things like Medicare Part B, which is 105 bucks a month, and you got supplemental insurance, you got Medicare Part D, you got your prescriptions, your copays. Most people fund their dental insurance on their own in retirement because um, individual dental plans are rarely a great deal unless it's through like a Kaiser or something else. So there's a lot of costs that you're covered by your employer right now. You're on your own once you get to retirement. And I think an even bigger issue is, you know, 22 years ago when I got into the business, it was great to be able to just ladder bond portfolios, right? I'd have my clients have two to three years worth of portfolio draws in cash and then maybe a balanced portfolio, you know, 60-40 type of a split where with the bonds you could go out and ladder some 10-year, some 15, some 20-year bonds and get really good interest rates and good income. And those are the days when interest rates were well north of 6% on the 10-year treasury. And now they're at south of 3% okay. on the 10-year treasury. So thank God, Rob, we have no real inflation, right? I yeah, mean, watch, watch it with that thank God thing. <laughs> you might get okay. me in trouble with my bosses. <laughs> well, they, thank God we don't have massive inflation. I mean, I don't think there's anything the stock, wrong with the that. Stock that really hurt senior citizens at this point. Okay, that's fair to say. We love our old people. They taste Definitely. good on toast. So, you know, how do you make the money last in a low interest rate environment? Um, market has been very rewarding, very attractive. It's still, I would say, you know, at the fair value, kind of a little, you know, do, doing doing well. It's, P-E ratios tend to, to be right in this area. So it's not like we're at a discounted stock market value. And a lot of people have taken a lot of risk, a lot more risk than they're used to because they've overweighted in equities versus bonds because bonds aren't that attractive. So... We talk about when's the right time to rebalance the portfolio and how to use those dividends and interest the right way because I still find people that are in retirement, they're investing more aggressively than they're used to. And I look at these portfolios, and they're still reinvesting their dividends and interest, yet they're drawing on their portfolios, and that doesn't make any sense to me. So how to turn on the tab for dividends and interest and when to rebalance, that's, that's key, especially in these low interest rate environments where people – can't just live off the dividends and interest like they used to prior to, say, 2006. 
a lot of analysts out there, and I'm speaking with CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. You do have the 10 pillars handout that people can go check out on your website, right? Yeah, yeah. If you go to the resources tab, the 10 pillars, um, 10 key things that you need to really study and know about before you pull that trigger on retirement. Um, yeah, just, just go to chadburn.com or newfocusfinancial.com, hit the resource tab, and you'll find it. It's interesting to note there's a lot of analysts out today talking about stock market crash. Uh, Grantham is, Carl Icahn is, and then there's some people out there talking about how we're going to go higher for the next year, two years, uh, before there's anything significant that's going to happen. Uh, Jeremy Grantham is bullish new quarterly letter to clients. Uh, gloomy veteran fund manager predicts S&P 500 could see another 10% surge. But then he is saying right after that, you're going to see, you know, a purgatory of low returns. And uh, that's kind of a fantastic phrase. How do you factor in these gurus and like uh, pillars of retirement planning? Do you say like, hey, you have to expect pullbacks in stock market cuts in the dividends? Or is there any tie that you could put together on this? Yeah, yeah, you always have to be prepared on how you're going to deal with a significant bear market because you never know when they're going to come. Um, you know, every every day in media, Rob, it feels like we're talking about the same stories with just different names, whether it's SARS or Ebola or the bird flu, whether it's, you know, one of these gurus that are right once every 10 years and then have horrible returns in the meantime. Um, the market's going to do what's going to do in the long run, and it's going to be your friend. Unless you have to pull money out when the market declines, that's when timing is everything. So that's why you have to know how to calculate how much safe money you have, which is you your portfolio draws. So if you're drawing thirty thousand a principal a year out of your portfolio, in addition to your dividends and interest and Social Security and everything else, you need ninety thousand in safe money. You always have to prepare for the three-year market decline. And, and guess when the first one was, or I'll guess when the first mark, three-year market decline was. Um, 60 to 62. Nope. It was in the 30s, right? Uh, late 30s, you know, right after the Great Depression. So what so happened I was... I would have predicted the, that. I thought it was a trick question. <laughs> so the, the market re- started to recover, and the U.S. was feeling really, really great. So the Federal Reserve started to tighten interest rates too soon. It threw the economy back into the recession, and the market was negative three years in a row. And then the other, the next worst period was 73, 74, which was a 60% market decline. And then we had the second only three-year market decline in 2000, 2001, and 2002, which came on the heels of the tech correction. Um, now, the, the market decline of, of 08, 09 was only two years, but it was significantly, you know, it was really tough. It was a global type of a recession. And as long as any of those periods, as long as you had cash on hand and enough dividends and interest to live off of, and you didn't have to draw when the market was down, it did recover. And I know nobody felt like it was going to recover in 2008 or March of 2009 at the low, but look at where we are now. The market will have significant declines, but most of the time in your lifetime, it will be at all-time highs. Isn't that amazing that that message is tough to get across to people? It's it's tough. There's two ends of the tough. It's tough. It's it's tough to keep people in it when they feel like they sh- their gut's telling them to sell because that's when you shouldn't sell. And then the toughest part of my job right now is to stop people from being way too aggressive, to think that stocks are going to go up forever and that they don't need any fixed income or cash because the market's doing so well. So it's kind of uh, too hot or too cold type of a deal. This week, Thursday, in San Mateo, Foster City, Crown Plaza, Hotel. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking a lot of things financial, money, invest income, more. A lot of content. He's going to be giving a lot Don't of content. Don't be shy. Um, sign up at we'll talk a little Disney right now. And I'll tell you why. George Mason University, uh, a college I went to, did a little graduate work there. 
um, half an hour west of Washington, D.C. Um, they have what's called the Patriot Center, which is a place to watch concerts, college athletics, things like that. No event in the history of the 29-year-old building has attracted more people or earned as much money as last month's performances of Disney on Ice presents Frozen. For six days, waves of little blue and white Princess Elsas and quite a few costume parents sang the movie's song, Let It Go. Top of their lungs. They enjoyed $15 snow cones. They posed for $25 pictures with cardboard cutouts. $25 pictures with cardboard cutouts. Now, Disney's famous for pulling that Cinderella chick out of the closet every couple years and telling kids, now is for two weeks only, you can own Cinderella on DVD. And like, man, I gotta own it, I gotta own it. And she hasn't worked in like 70 years, this Cinderella. $15 snow cones, $25 pictures with cardboard cutouts, $28 magic wands. The Power of Frozen. Um, Disney's latest princess movie, Frozen, opened last November. Um, last November, and it is rocking on still. Elsa and her sister Anna have become the two of the world's most successful product endorsers of all time. Disney has said earlier this month that it had already sold 3 million Frozen dresses in North America. Every girl in elementary school was a princess from Disney's Frozen for Halloween. In January, Frozen wedding dresses go on sale for $1,200. Frozen wedding dresses. Next summer, Adventures by Disney is offering tours of Norwegian sites that inspired the film's animators at prices starting north of $5,000. There's Frozen-branded apples and grapes and juices and yogurts and bandages and complete oral care line. A frozen toothbrush, no doubt. Disney estimates that Frozen brought in more than $1 billion in retail revenue over the last year. It is very, very hot. The creators of Frozen, Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck, they set out to create characters young girls would recognize. Everyone loves Cinderella, they said, but am I like her? No. I grew up and became someone more independent. Elsa and Anna, she says, are princesses because they got the weight of a kingdom on their shoulders, not as the solution to a happy ending. So they realized they succeeded when the movie was released. They started to hear people singing on the street. A year later, that singing hasn't stopped, and Disney continues to rake in the cash register. Just ching, ching, ching. Products increasingly rise and fall on their own merits. Brand names have become less important as proxies for quality. Consumers now get better information about products from the Internet. But Disney, perhaps, more than any other large company, is impervious to the trend. Disney specializes in selling affordable luxuries. An Elsa dress is considerably more expensive than an ordinary dress, like a cup of Starbucks coffee costs more than an ordinary cup of coffee, but it is not that expensive. Every item of the dozen of frozen products at the Disney store costs less than $100. More importantly to their success, a lot of its customers are still learning how to read and don't care what things cost. When you have toddlers, you know, uh, wanting the product, they're not exactly checking out the Amazon reviews. So Disney is in the era, in the midst of the golden age of profitability. Disney characters have been endorsing products since 1929. Walt Disney put Mickey Mouse on a writing ta tablet. Licensing started beginning right there. Disney makes more money from selling branded movie merchandise than from the actual movies. They create products that extend storytelling. A recent... Um, product that I saw that was just egregious was an Olaf snow cone maker modeled after the slapstick snowman who provides the comic relief in Frozen. It emits frosty treats from a somewhat disturbing hole in Olaf's belly. If you know what I'm saying, that's like, no, it shouldn't come out of his belly. The popularity of Frozen is also, you know, helped by the expanding toy market for girls. Princesses may seem like a permanent feature of the toyscape. But they were less common in the 1990s, before the 1990s. The idea that the Pink Princess Fantasy Dream Dolls have always been a part of a girlhood is false. It was right around the mid-1970s when gender-neutral toys reached a peak. Since then, toy makers have embraced the market-doubling effect of pushing certain toys to boys and certain toys to girls. Disney really began to focus on princesses in 2000 after a new executive went to see a Disney on Ice show and was struck by how many girls in the audience were wearing homemade princess costumes. They weren't even Disney products, what caught the product 
you know, the eye of the, the executive. Um, there's a book out there called Cinderella Ate My Daughter. It was written by Peggy Orenstein. And it talked about the rise of princesses. The Disney princess line now makes about $4 billion a year on par with earnings of power of Mickey Mouse himself. The Frozen Girls are not yet part of the whole princess ensemble. There's a lot of similarities here. And to me, again, it it's, shows you why companies like Disney are so powerful. They're paid for, you know, drugs are marketed to patients who tend to trust brand names over generics and are, you know, paid for by insurance companies under their contractual obligations. The market has a lot of similarities with the drug market, the pharmaceutical industry, and the, the media markets. Um, and that inflates, you know, the prices on the drugs that we, we consume, leading to eye-popping numbers. Toys and the like are marketed to children and purchased by parents who, you know, would you want a $15 snow cone that is generic, or do you want a snow cone that has a plastic cup that costs one cent that has a princess on it? Of course you're going to want the, the plastic cup. Um, I like Disney because of ESPN. I like Disney because of Frozen. Uh, they came out with a new movie recently, or a movie recently, Big Hero 6, that you know has toy potential written all over it. Probably not to the tune of Frozen, but that's another franchise that they're trying to you know get up and going. And something tells me to bet on Disney over the long term. Now, there are problems with Disney. I'm not impervious to this. For instance, there is cable channels. Um, I pay for ESPN. Or no, Let's say you have a girlfriend. Let's say you're, no, okay. Gender-neutral person doesn't like sports, and yet they have cable TV, so they're paying for ESPN. All of the ESPNs, ESPN University, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN West Coast, ESPN College, like too much ESPNs. But that's the power of them, because Disney will say, cable company, if you want ESPN Monday Night Football, you got to take these four other ESPN packages that we have. With that said, Disney is one of those names you put on a shopping list, and when there's a bad stock market, you pick it up. In my opinion, for the long-term patient investor, consult a broker advisor for taking action on anything mentioned. And let's listen to a little Let It Go. Let it go, let it go. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Big event coming up Thursday evening, uh, last one of the year. Crown Plaza Foster City in San Mateo, just right off 92. Um, retirement planning, making sure you have enough income. Biggest mistake I see is people emailing me, and they're like, I've got $400,000, I'm getting ready to retire. And I'm like, what's your budget? And they'll be like, eh, $60,000, $70,000 a year. I'm like, ooh, you're going to run out of money in about six years or less. You can't retire. Uh, no income strategy. No way of keeping that asset as an asset that creates money. And I see it all the time. It's pretty crazy. Speaking of pretty crazy, reggae legend Bob Marley was known to be a fan of marijuana. Now a marijuana-focused venture capital firm is trying to bank on that tight relationship. Privateer Holdings has reached an agreement with the family of the late musician to collaborate with a Seattle-based firm calling for the world's first global cannabis brand. Black has a financial interest in the success. <laughs> I do not have a financial interest in the success of uh, the world's first global cannabis brand, Marley Natural. Uh, it would include heirloom Jamaican cannabis strains inspired by those Bob Marley enjoyed. Um, he's a cultural icon, you know. 
$72 million has been raised since this uh, venture capital firm has started. A 60,000 square foot growing facility in British Columbia. A Yelp-like website for cannabis reviews and merchant listings. This is big business. Rita Marley said, My husband believed the herb was a natural and positive part of life, and he felt it was important to the world. He looked forward to this day. And I did a segment on Disney putting princesses, slapping them on anything. But slapping Bob Marley's image on weed, marijuana, it seems, well, perfect for the product. In the next year, you're going to see more and more companies try to um, come out with uh, ways to play the shift in momentum in cannabis in the United States. Anyway, that's about all I got for you. Um, It's a $50 million cannabis fund. Stunning, right? Licensing is big money. Big money. Um, markets are up slightly. I, I'm not putting a lot of you know weight in it. Ten percent for the year, thirty percent last year. We're having an amazing run. And one of the stories I'm doing today for television is I'm going to talk about Carl Icahn and how he basically says that the market needs the markets get corrected in the next three to five years. <laughs> like no duh, right? I think that's kind of obvious to most people. But it is what it is. H&M is going to launch new online stores in 2015. Oh, and Analyst on jacked his price on Apple to $135 a share, saying the selfie craze is part of Apple's success. The iPhone 6 has a bigger camera on the front, so you can take bigger selfies. And bigger selfies means more storage, bigger pictures. More storage means... They came out with a 16-bit, 64-bit, 16-gig, 64-gig, and 128-gig phone. And they're all $100 more than the previous. Or you can say, I'm going to spend some extra money and get more iCloud storage and just go with a 16-gig. When I got a new phone, I went with 64-gig because that seems about right for me. But Apple's doing some smart things. Um, Almost as devious as Disney is with the way they market. Apple's very, very, very smart to get you to spend a little extra money. Home builder confidence rose in the month of November. Um, yay. What am I supposed to say about that? Um, home builder sentiment surges in November. That helps. Um, they're building homes. They believe that they're going to be able to sell those homes. IBM launches business email that integrates social media. Uh, not that impressed with that yet, but we'll see how it goes. We're in the last month and a half of the year, and this is the time of the year that's pretty seasonally friendly to the stock market. And there's something that could be called a Santa Claus rally that happens. I tend to say if it happens, it happens. Great. If it doesn't, don't be caught leaning one way. I think that's an area where people make mistakes. So, Electronic Arts was initiated with an overweight today. Phillips 66 resumed with a buy at Goldman. U.S. Steel was initiated with a market perform. Uh, Cathay Pacific Airways upgraded to neutral from sell. Other stories of note today, Amtrak files a complaint with the Surface Transportation Board against CSX in Norfolk Southern over on-time performance. Carl Icahn has reaffirmed that Herbalife stock is undervalued. Norfolk Southern, Delaware, and Hudson proposed a $217 million rail line transaction. Manchester United hit earnings but missed on revenues. They reaffirmed 2015 guidance. They are having a tough year of it. They could lose big dollars. They will lose big dollars this year as they're struggling in the Premier League. Um, it could cost the club at least $43 million, 43 million pounds of profit. Um, and they spit a lot of money, just like the New York Yankees. Anyhow, you can find me online at robblack.com, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, this Thursday evening. At robblack.com, you can also jump on the newsletter that I send out. Sign up for that and get a copy of that later today or tomorrow. Uh, It's free. It's email. 
But Tim Pillars Retirement Planning, Thursday night, Secrets to Tax-Efficient Investing, what you can do to maximize Social Security benefits, how to reduce the risk of outliving your savings, why you need to estimate your retirement expenses before you stop working, and much, much more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.